Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is January 30th through February 5th, and we are going to be talking about specifically one of the temptations that Christ received from Satan. Now, Christ went into the wilderness for a while before his ministry. He went to spend time with Heavenly Father in order to prepare for this ministry, and sometime in the course of this time that he was in the wilderness, Satan came to tempt him. And this is one of the temptations that was offered to Christ. This is Luke chapter 4, and it is verse 5 through 7. It says, And the Spirit taketh him up into a high mountain, and he beheld all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So Satan's saying, you see all these kingdoms of the world? Well, I will deliver them to you. You will have power over them if you choose to worship me. I find this specific temptation really interesting. And when I say interesting, I mean ironic. (laughs) Extremely ironic. For a few different reasons. For one reason, it wasn't his to give. (laughs) He's like, oh, all these kingdoms, they're mine, and I'll give them to you, and I can deliver them to whoever I want. They're not actually his to give. Ironic reason number two, Satan doesn't really care to deliver on his promises. Reason number three, when he does deliver on those promises, they are temporary. And then the last one, which I think is the most powerful and the most poignant reason why Satan's temptations are ironic, and that is because Satan tries to offer things that are already ours. So I want you to think for a second exactly what Satan was offering. Christ created the earth, right? He created the nations. Anything that they had was created by Christ. It was already Christ. And so Satan's like, hey, if you follow me, I'll give you what you created, right? It's super ironic. Now, these tactics that Satan was using, he also uses on us. And these ironies are also applicable in our lives. So I want to talk about these ironies. Number one, it was not Satan's to give. So I recently read an article about a person who scammed a group of people out of millions of dollars. And what he did is he would go to these homes and he would pay people to essentially borrow their homes for a few days And I don't know precisely how he did that, but he was using their homes for a couple days and paying them for it. And he would set up open houses to sell these houses. People would come and they would pay him because they thought they were buying a house. But it wasn't this man's house to give. It wasn't for sale, right? It belonged to somebody else. Satan in these verses is like, hey, all these kingdoms, they belong to me, right? but none of this belongs to him. I mean, he does have power here because people give him power to an extent, but they are not actually his to give. (laughs) He may think they are, or he may pretend that they are because he's a narcissist, but they are not his. In fact, there will come a day when we see Satan and we're like this guy, we are astonished that it was this guy who caused terror, right? He may whisper to us that he can bless us if we walk away from Christ. 
but the blessings that he offers are not his to give. It's a scam. (laughs) Irony number two. Second irony is that Satan doesn't really care to deliver on his promises. Now, there is a man in the Book of Mormon named Korahor. And Korahor was going around preaching pleasing doctrine to people. And they would pay him and set him up essentially on this pedestal. They all really liked him. And then eventually he comes toe-to-toe with Alma. And he is struck dumb and is no longer able to speak. And eventually he... He's struck down and he can't speak and he becomes a beggar and then he's trampled to death. Now, Korhor was blessed for a while, right? He was receiving all of this glory and all of this money and he was happy, right? He had all of these blessings. Satan was upholding and delivering these blessings that he tempted Korhor with. However, Satan was not delivering it because he liked Korhor. (laughs) He was delivering those blessings because he was using Korhor to bring about the destruction of more people. And we know that that was Satan's motivation, not only because we've been taught about Satan, but because the second that Korhor is no longer useful to Satan, he is discarded. He becomes a beggar. He is trampled to death. Satan will bless as long as you are useful to him. And there will come a day when no one will any longer be useful to Satan. (laughs) And so he will essentially discard all of us. Well, any of those who choose to follow him. And this kind of leads into this, the third irony that I was talking about, that the blessings that Satan does offer, sorry, I always, blessings that Satan does offer are temporary. They're temporary because he doesn't actually care to give us blessings. He'll bless us as long as it is serving him. But it's also because there will come a point when he has nothing to give, right? So there will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. We will see Satan for what he is. We will see Christ for who he is. We will know the truth. And so people won't really care to follow Satan and to give Satan power. Essentially, Satan's power will disintegrate (laughs) and he will have nothing left to uphold you with, right? You can't give anything if you have nothing. Now, this last irony that I wanted to talk about and I wanted to spend most of my time on because I believe it's the most powerful and the most poignant to teach us about Satan is that Satan offered Christ something that already belonged to Christ. And he also tries to offer blessings that are already rightfully ours. Now I want you to imagine for a second that Christ had accepted this little exchange with Satan. Obviously there's no way that happened, all that, right? But for principle's sake, let's say that he accepted it. And let's say even that he was like, oh, well, I know that my destiny is to rule over the world and to change the world and to make it better. If I let Satan think that I'm following him, I'll receive all of this power and I will more fully be able to change the world, right? Because I'll have power over it. And then let's say some time passes and it is revealed to Christ that he already had that power within himself. 
He already owned everything. He was the creator. He sacrificed everything for things that were already his. This applies to us. <laughs> we are not Christ. We did not create the earth. But these things have been promised to us, not by any merit of our own. But these things have been promised to us simply on the basis that we are children of God. We already have inherent rights if we are willing to stand up and be ready to accept those rights. We have the right to overcome the world and all the nations and kingdoms in it. We already have access to immense power, immense amounts of power to change the world for good. And we have already been promised to be filled with glory because of Christ and what, he's, what he did for us. We are children of God. We may not have yet achieved our full stature. But that doesn't even matter, right? Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, we already have access to all of these blessings to overcome the world and the nations and the kingdoms and to have peace and happiness. Satan tries to promise us all of these things that already belong to us right? <laughs> the promises that come from Christ are legitimate and binding. They are so real that even though we have not yet achieved our full stature as children of God, we can, we can already enjoy those blessings. We have been promised that we will be, if we follow Christ, we will be inheritors of all that the Father hath and co-inheritors with Christ. I want you to think about all that the Father hath. It's already been promised to us. And Satan tries to promise us things that are already ours. There is no happiness that Satan can offer that we have not already been offered by someone who legitimately loves us. Now, I made a comment earlier about how in my pretend scenario of Christ accepting Satan's temptation, right? I made a comment about how maybe in our pretend scenario, Christ could have been like, oh, well, I am meant to rule over the world and to change the world. And if I take this shortcut, maybe I can make the world even better because I took this shortcut. I think oftentimes when we give in, give in to temptations, or at least some of the time. It can be laced with good intentions, right? I've mentioned before in some of my previous videos that there was a time in my life when I wanted to be a rock star. And I remember I was staying with my sister and I was sitting on her bed and we were talking about this as she was trying to steer me away from this dream. And I remember asking her like, what's wrong with this? What's wrong? with wanting to be a good example and a good influence in a world where there's so many bad ones, right? And she said something that really struck me. Essentially, she said, because that's not how the Savior did it. He ministered one by one. Now, this is not meant to be a commentary at all on whether it's okay to be a rock star, because I don't think there's anything innately wrong with being a rock star, precarious maybe, but I don't think there's anything evil about wanting to perform and sing and be musical. 
This is not even a commentary on preaching the gospel in huge amphitheaters or like huge before huge crowds because we do that twice a year with general conference. <laughs> it's not a commentary on those things. What I am trying to comment on is that if we really want to receive our ultimate inheritance and receive all these things that have been promised to us, and if we really want to make this huge difference, then really the only path that gives us that ultimate end is the exact path that the Lord wants us to take. And it will look different for everybody with a couple of same things like, you know, covenants and ordinances. But the only logical path to take is the one that Heavenly Father wants you to take because the one Satan offers doesn't actually lead to any of these things that you want it to lead to. Satan may tempt us with things that seem kind of logical, right? It might have, depending on how much Christ knew of who he was at that particular moment, it may have seemed logical to be like, yeah, if I had power over all the kingdoms in the world, I could make it however I wanted. I could do a lot of good. He may tempt us to be angry when obstacles come up in our path where we're like, hey, I was supposed to be doing this, Heavenly Father. You set me on this path. Why is this obstacle here? Why are you not enabling me to do this? But every single step along that path and every single obstacle along that path, even the ones supplied by Satan, every single one of them can contribute to our good because Heavenly Father loves us. Unlike Satan, Heavenly Father loves us and that's why he promised us all of these things. Not because we earned it, <laughs> but because we're his children and he loves us. And because of the Savior's atonement and what the Savior suffered, we can inherit these things. We can be co-inheritors with Christ and we can be inheritors of all that the Father has. I am grateful for my Heavenly Father, for a Father who loves me. And I'm grateful for a Savior who upheld this entire plan of salvation so that I could inherit these things. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.